Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. Well, welcome listeners to This Humana Life. We're so thankful to have you here. Not only thankful for you, but we're also thankful for the Impact NRG Network Resource Group. Uh, We have Billy Bonaparte, one of the co-presidents of Impact. Thank you for joining us, Billy. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, and thanks for having me. It's it's an honor to be here to, uh, to represent Impact today. Yeah, so thank you, thank you. So we want to know a little bit about Billy Bonaparte. Can you give us a snapshot of your career journey and, and what brought you to Humana? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my undergrad degree is in uh, health promotion and education. And I actually started my career at a YMCA as a wellness director. And I was that wellness director for, I think, about five and a half years. And I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to work in um, the nonprofit space, but there's a lot of, um, I think it's uh, the best way to say it, there's a lot of morals and a lot of values that were instilled in me during that time. Most importantly is how to treat people. And being in a leadership role, um, there was just a lot of great things that, that I learned there. Um, from that time, I was actually, I went back to school and I got my MBA. And um, I was like, I, I want to do more. And there wasn't a lot of opportunities to do more um, within the YMCA. And I actually ventured out and started an a entrepreneurial career. Um, it was still along the lines of wellness, um, but I got to partner with uh, a gentleman who had had some success of opening standalone stores. And, but this specific store was around well-being. And so it was kind of like your one-stop shop for, for well-being. So it was um, chiropractic care. It was uh, massage therapy, nutrition. We had a yoga studio, and and so we were able to open up two of those facilities. And if you've ever done entrepreneurial work, it's something that never leaves you, and it can become very, very stressful. And I remember one day sitting in the parking lot, and my heart was just, like, about to beat out of my chest. And I knew that I had to, to step away from that experience. And um, I actually went on a... Uh, a two-week journey overseas to to Spain. Um, I was in Paris, and then I was in London as well. And when I came back, um, I had a conversation with the owner, and he kind of knew I was in this um, interesting place, and he just said, hey, let's let's part ways. And so we parted ways, and um, I had a wedding to go to that weekend. And um, I went to that wedding. I was actually in it, and as we were, as you do at weddings, we were socializing. And as I was socializing, I met an individual who was about to hire for an analytical role here at Humana in our group commercial sales department. 
And he knew about where I was because I was there with another former colleague who worked at the same place. And so he's like, hey, I'm about to hire for this role. I was about to make an offer. Do you want to come in and just talk about it? And so if you know anything about me, um, I, I like numbers. I don't love numbers. And for him to, to want to take a risk on me to interview me for an analytical role was, was pretty big. And I was fortunate enough to, um, to land that job. And what I didn't realize is he had his foresights around where we were going as a, uh, as a company transitioning out of being known as an insurance company into a health and well-being company. So if you think about my background with health and well-being, my story of you know, the entrepreneurial, you think about my experience, my undergrad and, and experience at the YMCA, um, we went through a thing that was called a distribution transformation um, my first eight months within that analytical role. And in that, um, my job went away and I had to interview. And I interviewed for a role that was called um, Manager of Engagement and Administrative Support. And essentially this role was responsible for driving Go365 um, throughout our market and also our other well-being solutions. And it was also, it was not only driving it, but it was about the adoption of those, um, uh, of those uh, initiatives too. And so I had a really great run in that, and I'll try to shorten the story up here in just a second. I had a really great run, and during that process, um, I had what America or, or society would, would perceive to be success. And so I had a couple dollars in the bank account. Uh, I was driving a decent car, I had a house, you know, but I was incredibly empty. And I hired a career coach, and my career coach um, just coached me along the way of trying to do purposeful work and trying to do work that meant something to me. And in that, I rebranded myself and decided to move into the human capital world. And as I did that, I just, um, I interviewed for, um, it was actually my, my old role as of three, um, two months ago. I, um, I interviewed um, for this role, there was 106 people that applied for it. It was program manager of culture engagement over what was formerly known as um, RSO within Humana. And so I moved out of the commercial space, the group commercial space into the retail segment. And um, my career and, and myself just started to, to, to blossom and grow from there. And recently, um, with everything that was going on in the world, I, I was able to identify some gaps within our current area of consumer provider services and solutions around inclusion mm -hmm. and diversity. And I, I jumped in and I leaned into that work. And as I leaned into that work, um, my job has recently expanded from um, a culture and engagement lead into Associate Director of Culture Engagement, and um, I get to oversee inclusion and diversity for all of, of, of CPSS now. So um, that's my that's my Humana story. You know, Billy, I, I thought I knew you, but I guess I really didn't know all about that part of your history. And wow, that, those steps along the way, the journey that you that you took. I mean, when I think about your your original role at the YMCA that led you to your entrepreneurship and then you uh and then traveled I want to say traveled I guess you traveled Spain and Italy or did some work over there and you know it's incredible uh your path your journey and what I do know about you is that you you are an incredible presenter you have your vision for culture and engagement is is fantastic and brilliant and um, and I know about your current um, associate director uh, new role and, you know, congratulations on that as well. And, um, you know, the career coach piece, I, 
that's an interesting piece. And then, you know, I hope that we have time to ask you a little bit more about that. And what did that look like? Yeah, I was just, um, I saw like one of our, one of our questions where if, if you had an opportunity to tell something to your younger self, what would it be? Um, there's something that I've just learned is just around like your uniqueness, like owning who you are and in that career coaching opportunity, it was, it was um, a pricey experience. I think it was, uh, we worked together for um, probably about three or four months and it cost me about $800, but it was the best $800 that I spent. In that moment, there was one thing that she said to me that has always just stuck with me. And I, we had gone through some assessments and we'd landed on what my strengths were. And in my insecurities, I said back to her, what about my weaknesses? And she said something that was just so profound to me that it's just, it's just, like I said, it's just clung to me. She said, Billy, if you continue to focus on your weaknesses, you're going to be in this, you're going to remain in the same place. And she said, you're smart enough to hire people around you to fill in where your opportunities are. You hmm. need to lean into your strengths. And so I go back to the question that we, we were going to ask around what would you tell like a younger version of yourself? And that simply is get it like, Spend time getting to know who you are, and then the job will find you. If you look at a lot of people, I think we're looking out the windows, we're comparing ourselves to everybody else, and we're chasing and pursuing things that don't even align to our character, don't even align to our purpose, and we're just reaching and grabbing. And once we get it, it's never fulfilling. We feel empty again. So if we spend time like knowing who we are and then finding things that align to that, it's such a richer life. So that's that's the advice that I would share to anyone who is um, who is younger, the younger version of myself. I absolutely love that piece. I, I know it's always kind of one of those things whenever you fill out your career strengths and, and weaknesses, or it's always that dreaded interview question, like, what are your weaknesses? Like, well, do I really want to be that vulnerable and, and share that side? But I think that's something, um, I guess, since I, I've hit a certain age, I kind of try to flip it and be like, okay, so I'm doing this really well, so I need to focus on, on this, and then where, what's something I want to learn or grow more into? And I think having those really candid conversations with your leader and also other associates has really um, kind of helped with that. And you had kind of touched a little bit on, whenever you were discussing some of your roles, about the different ways that Humana um, has changed um, into, you know, more of a, a more holistic well-being. Um, so with that, what changes have you noticed um, in regards to our culture here at Humana? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I'll tell you that I've, I've watched us stay more consistent. And what I mean by that is I think we knew who we were as an organization um, for some time, but kind of like that career story that I was alluding to. I, I always saw it's like we were always moving and, and trying to figure out like who we are. But over the past like five, probably five years, you know, the, us talking about and becoming that health company is something that I feel like we've clung to really tightly and I don't see us letting go of that. And as I think about our organization, I've noticed us become incredibly more agile. And so I, I've noticed us like we'll, we'll, we'll do things, we'll complete them, and we'll move to the next thing. And so I, I've started to admire our agility. The other thing that I've also started to appreciate, and I think this gets back to us being this holistic company, is how we begin to leverage data and leverage analytics to make informed decisions. 
And I think if you can make informed decisions, I think that's going to put your company in a position of being more proactive, which I think is a position of strength, versus being reactive, which I think is is is, is a position that you, you typically don't want to get in. It makes you a little bit vulnerable. So, again, I think the two things that I've, I've seen is consistency, or three things, consistency, our ability, our ability to be agile, and then how we're leveraging data and analytics to drive our business. Well, and, you know, as far as I can speak to the culture work, exactly, being proactive instead of reactive. And, and that's what we have to be led by. And, you know, we have the survey uh, for the associates on purpose, and we want to know what's driving them or what will drive them. So I appreciate that um, uh, your vision, your, your, you know, what you speak on is uh, pristine and the data speaks for itself, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, obviously, you journey with Humana before Humana. Um, there was networking involved. Networking can be a positive word. Some people don't like the word networking. Um, uh, but when we say the word networking, we all know what it means. Um, so, how important has networking been in your career? And any tips you'd like to share? Uh, I um. I've realized that, and I, I think I was naive before, and I told myself, I was like, you know, I, I know how to work. I feel like I'm confident. Like I can carry the ball over the line. Like, shouldn't that be enough for me to grow my career? And while I think it gets, I, I think it's important once you get in the door um, to be confident, um, you know, I think it's most important if you want to get to the door, you have to have a, a, a relationship that gets you there. And it's, mm -hmm. we're so competitive. Um, it, how can I leverage a relationship to help me out and, and to grow myself? And I don't think that's, I don't think it's selfish. I think um, most times people are hiring people that they feel comfortable with. And I don't agree with that. I, I, want, I want to make that clear. But if I have an opportunity to get to know you before that job comes available and you know my interests and I've clearly expressed them to you and you've become an advocate of mine, I think you have a more likelihood to at least bring me to the table to that interview versus not having that relationship. And so I, I believe relationships are, are critical, they're valuable in, in anything. Um, you know, if you're entering into a mentoring relationship, I would encourage you not to walk into that mentoring relationship with the attitude of what can I get out of it? Mm -hmm. I think life is much more richer when you enter that relationship to say, what can I give to it? And do it mm -hmm. in a genuine fashion and, and do it from a, a, from a place of like where you're, you're truly invested in getting to know someone as well too. And I, I was in, I told you earlier, I was in sales. And the other thing that I will, I will tell you is you start to get um, people on your side, you know, in, in our sales life, we always said, just ask, you know, what's, what's the worst thing that can happen? And as you get advocates, ask them to introduce you to other people. Say, hey, if you truly believe in me, if you, if you like who I am as a, as a person, you like my work, can you introduce me to a couple of other people who can help me in my career journey? And continue to do that and watch your network grow. You know, and that I was just thinking of your last phrase. Can you introduce me to a couple of people that it, because connecting with others, right? You can um, contribute as well to that person as well as learning from them, and um, and that's what makes that's what makes it a perfect perfect scenario. Absolutely. Mm hmm. 
I can't tell you how many times I still reach out to my, my market point folks to be like, hey, do you happen to know, like, have you ever interacted with this vendor, et cetera, or to go about troubleshooting? I think it's always nice to have that network, but then also to be really intentional about maintaining those relationships. So I try to keep in contact with them, not for just whenever I have problems or issues, but genuinely investing in other associates because we have so many talented, interesting, and, and unique folks here at Humana, which is a really fun part of this podcast and kind of a transformational event for me uh, working on it. So, Billy, do you happen to have um, any individuals or books or certain events that have really impacted who you are as a person? Yeah, um, so I, uh, I just finished, and I think you guys will probably capture a theme with me is that I'm, I'm very big on accountability and having the mirror up and just reflection and understanding who you are. And I recently read a book, it was, it's called Try Softer, and it's by Audie Cobbler. And the essence of the book is around, if you think about in our life, like we're always just, I, I'll, I'll fix this, I'll just try harder, I'll just try harder. And our behaviors never seem to change. If you look at the other side of this, think about how you treat people. And we're always extending people grace. We're always loving them well. And the essence of the book is, could you actually extend yourself that same grace? Can you love yourself just as well as you have loved other people? And then as you do that, watch as like you, this anxiety, this angst of having to try harder is like released from yourself. And you get to move through life in a lot more like smoother way, if you will, and things aren't so like difficult because of that grace and because of that love that you're extending yourself. Um, that's important to me because as a, as a leader, like I'm mindful of how I show up. And I've started to learn that like the quality of care that I render to people is only as good as the quality of care that I give to myself. And I wanna help people live extraordinary lives. But if I'm not practicing those things myself, if I'm not being kind to myself, if I'm not giving myself grace, if I'm not loving myself, I start to love and lead people from an empty place. And that kind of place is where it's, it's, it, I can be very, it can be very toxic. I can become resentful. It's just not healthy. And so I like to love and lead from a place of overflow. So when I'm doing those things that, that I've referenced of being kind to myself, being gentle, um, giving myself grace, I'm loving from a place of overflow. And that quality of leadership and love is, is far drastically different from the empty place. I absolutely love that. I That was amazing. It's very nice and refreshing to hear leaders sharing that. And I feel especially as we've all, I, I'm used to working at home, but it, it's had a totally different feel for me um, since the pandemic happened and just keeping track and touching base with other associates that you know are used to working in the office and different things like that. And um, it also reminded me a little bit of a quote from Tim Huval that our member experience will never be better than our associate experience. Mm -hmm. So again, I, I really love that Absolutely. from leadership down, really focusing on our associates and recognizing that the time, the care, and the energy we put into building our culture and maintaining that type of positivity will then exude an outreach to our members and their experience. Yeah, so well said. Yes, and so well said by you too, Billy. Very poetic in, in so many ways when you start to speak and, and share your 
share your answers, your analogies, your heart. So it, it is much appreciated. And which leads me on, you know, you're passionate about so much. I can tell by your experiences and, and how you do want to pour into the folks that you're around and the folks that report to you and and um, sharing with us now and sharing with our listeners and uh, the it goes on and on and on. But is there something that you are more passionate about today? Uh, um, so if you think about like our climate today, I feel like um, it's always, uh, I feel like COVID, is, COVID has been happening to us. And I had this a recent idea of like, what happens if I start happening to life? And I felt like COVID, like I was, all of us were like, I was a, a victim of COVID, um, you know, and in many ways in my own career as a black man, I, I could have easily fallen victim to, you know, systemic racism. But I wanted to be like, a, I always want to be known as a survivor. And if you think about your day, and like, I made it through the day. Now you pause for a moment and you say, gosh, I had a difficult conversation with someone. Or I got to see the sunset. There's so many like challenges and so many beautiful things that come out of it. But at the end of the day, you made it, right? And to me, you, you, you had like, there's a bit of strength that, that you were able to take with that, that has built this, this resiliency muscle in you. And so I share this mindset because I recently um, left Atlanta. I live here in Atlanta. And I, uh, I packed up my car, I put my, uh, I put my, my road bike, I put um, two weeks worth of clothes in a bag, I brought my, um, my golf clubs, and I just, I, I drove, and I spent 47 days on the road, I drove 5,142 miles. The <laughs> idea around me doing this was, I don't want COVID to like, I don't want to be a victim of COVID, I want to make the best of this experience. And so I continued to work. I would just go to these Airbnbs or I'd be at a friend's place and I would work, but I made the best of the situation of what was, what was handed to me. And I think that that's something that I'm, I'm just very passionate about. Like what lenses am I looking through life? Am I the victim or am I the survivor? And that experience taught me a lot about myself, about letting go. And I didn't have a lot of plans. I didn't know where I was always going to be, but I'd meet somebody at a gift shop and they say, you should go hike here or, or you should ride your bike here. And it, uh, I ended up leaving from that trip. I visited 13, I either stayed or visited 13 different cities um, throughout. And I got to see America and all of its grand. And uh, it was just a, a beautiful and unique experience. So, yeah, the, uh, I'm passionate today about being a survivor. Billy, you're cool. I mean, you're just really <laughs> cool. And, and you know, I just, or do you want to be a victim or a survivor? I mean, that is so true. You made the best out of a situation that we're looking at it as poor me, or or we can, or we can look at it as poor me. But instead, you're like, this is awesome. I can take this experience and and change it. I can mold it in a positive way. So, sure. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Connor. Yes. Not to be too punny here, but I feel like we could also just do an episode just to talk about some of those things about hitting the road. That just sounds like such a cool adventure. Um, I can't ride a bike. You can make fun of me for it. I've never learned. It's, it's, uh, it's on the bucket list, um, but I do have a tandem bike. And so I can definitely write that if I have I can't ride a bike either. Away. Brittany, you're oh, not alone. Right. I can play golf. <laughs> I can try to play. I can golf. I can at least try. I can run, but I sure can't ride a bike. I would I would be on the side of the road in the ditch. So 
do peas in a pod, but you can run, Carmen. You can definitely run. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this episode. But the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.